Thank you all so much for coming. Looking at you now, I wonder whether it was worth the effort. However, you do have something we want. Your loyal friend Lex, who begged me to help you, will tell you what we agreed. The answer is no, Ebony. No? I can't remember the last time anyone said no to me. You can't have it. Amber. Can't have what? Anything that belongs to us. We don't want anything. We just want the antidote. Payback time. So welcome to episode 47 of Conversation on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host Lance and joining me on the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. What up? With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So episode 47, the screenplay was done by Nick Doughty. It was directed by Lawrence Wilson, and the episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine. The mall has been set ablaze by Top Hat and Tribe Circus, and the mall rats are hopelessly trapped inside. That is, until Lex secures a deal with Ebony and the Locos. But Ebony wants the antidote, and she'll stop at nothing to get it. Is her deal with Lex genuine, or is it another trap? Okay, there's lots to go through in this episode, so let's jump right in. So if the Morats caught in their own trap as, the ho- as their home burns, it's not looking good for the tribe. In what might be their last moments, Jack and Dal share a silent moment of understanding, while Tysan tries to make peace with Zandra after attacking Jack earlier by blaming science and technology for their current predicament. So yeah, panel, let's focus on that. Um, what did you think of how the various characters approach their impending doom? I really liked the little moment between Jack and Dal. You know, you could just see them together, both, well, kind of giving up, but also glad to just not be in, in that situation alone. Yes. It was so nice. It even needed any words. They just, like, yeah, shook hands and was like, mm-hmm. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did seem the most put together out of everyone in that cage, though. Yeah, it's just another terrific tribe moment in the series that just shows or solidifies that they're truly a family you know i I think they spend more more um moments and episodes arguing and bickering at each other and hating each other but at the end of the day they are a family and um you know when you see something bad is going to happen to your family or maybe something bad is going to happen to you you know you kind of take the time and you kind of realize what's what's important to your life as of that moment and for them it's uh, each other you know the tribe mm. i think it really sells the fact that this is it for them like you know you need to feel like these guys this is it they're this is the end and so having everybody treat it like it's the end really sells it like oh my gosh there isn't they're not getting out of here they can't rescue themselves you know so Lex has to save the day. He's got to come pull through for them. It makes his uh, deal with Ebony all the more important. It's got to happen. Um, so I like that. I think it does a good job of upping the importance of what happens next. And um, I like uh, Tysan. She's having trouble. She's having a lot of trouble with what's happened. She's having... She's 
see her her calm has been seriously damaged <laughs> by all this. so i like how she goes from one moment just venting her frustration you know at technology really you have a problem with technology tyson really um <laughs> she doesn't have a problem with technology she's just upset right now at the situation she finds herself in and then you know she gathers herself and of course her instinct is to make peace you know and she's been trying to make peace with zandra she's been trying to do it pretty much ever since she realized zandra was upset about it you know and um it's the last thing she wants to do she wants them to be okay she it really bothers her that zandra took it so badly you know and and man zandra's holding that grudge (laughs) 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 no that that moment did make me make me wonder though is she truthfully truthfully you know sorry for what she did or does she just want to end her life with a clean slate and good karma definitely (laughs) yeah definitely i don't know i do think she i don't think she's sorry she slept with lex i think she's very sorry how much zandra was hurt by it I, I really don't think she put any thought into how much it would affect Zandra if she slept with Lex. Because her mind frame was that this is not a big deal. And she projected that onto other people. And then she tried to dismiss the fact that Zandra was upset about it. You know, and that Zandra was so upset about it. And she just thought it would go away. She thought Zandra's anger at it would go away. And then she realized it hadn't. and. So she, you know, last time we saw her trying to actually apologize and make peace with her. Like, look, okay, I get it now. I shouldn't have done that because I just didn't realize it was going to upset you so much. And I'm sorry that I did that. I, d- I wasn't trying to come between you. And so I don't think she's sorry for having slept with Lex, but I do think she's genuinely sorry for the effect it had on Zandra. Because I don't think she saw that coming. And she expected Zandra to get over it. And she was forced, she's been forced to realize that, nah, sweetheart, your actions have consequences and people don't see the the world the same way as you. And you did damage by acting on your impulses, you know, and I do think she's sorry for that. If for no other reason, then it's, it's bad for her karma. (laughs) Yeah. um, Ty Sand swings a lot in this episode because let's bring it up now because later on, (laughs) she has that confrontation with Zandra. Um, where she says, you're a stupid, mindless little trollop. Lex uses you like he uses anyone who's dumb enough to let him have his way. Yeah. What did you make of that? (laughs) The moment he said that, I was like, oh, anyone who's dumb enough to let him have his way, like you, Tyson. But she didn't let Lex have his way. She was completely in charge of everything that happened between she and Lex. Yeah, yeah. She used Lex. Yeah. Lex didn't use her. Yeah. That was cold. That was just. <laughs> it was cold, but I actually really liked it because it reminds you that Tyson, too, is just a human being. Okay. And think about it. She's been taught, for whatever reason, what was going on in her life, she was taught that this is this way you have to behave. And I've met people like this, and they're always harnessing their chi and keeping their calm, and they often like to pretend that nothing really truly bothers them that they're above all those emotions you know and 
Tyson likes to think of herself that way. Um, she doesn't get jealous because she doesn't believe in monogamy and she thinks those feelings are silly, but it's just, she hasn't had the chance to actually have those feelings for anybody. So she looks down at other people who do get caught up in mm -hmm. what she considers silly emotions. Oh, Sandra, you're so silly. You know, I'm above that. And here, her emotions are getting the better of her. And she's not able to harness her chi and keep her calm. <laughs> this is frustrating. All this stuff that happened. Tribe Circus coming in and fighting him. The fact that Zondra tried to kill her. Um, Lex just showed up. And guess what? Her cure hasn't saved him. And oh my gosh, this is a hard day for Zondra to keep it together. And she just loses it. <laughs> You think you're perfect? Nobody's perfect. I'm trying here. And you know what? I'm having a crisis of faith. And you're just a bitch. I hate you. You just see her winding up. She is hanging on by a thread. I tried to make peace with you. I'm like, yeah. You, okay. You okay there, Tyson? You feel better? Oh, and honestly, yeah. I didn't. I know it was cold, but I didn't feel that bad for Zandra because she's sitting here throwing hands at everybody and blaming everybody but the people responsible for what happened to her. Okay, she can't reconcile the fact that she chose somebody who she knew treated her like garbage, but she wanted to pretend that no, he must really love me, and I'm gonna ignore all the signs that he's the wrong guy for me. And when it all comes and blows up in my face, I'm gonna blame everybody but myself. So, I don't know. I don't feel that bad for her. <laughs> the only thing I can say for Tyson, but after what he told Ryan, that at least he has the excuse of hormones being into play right now. <laughs> yeah, so I thought of two things when I, uh, when Zandra said that quote. The first thing I just thought about was like, yeah, this seems like Zandra uh, can relate to that fully. Because... <laughs> Because uh, she's the one who's who's dumb enough to let Lex uh, have have his way with her. And then the second thing, right when she said it, I kind of feared for her life a little bit because I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> Tyzan's gonna roundhouse kick her again, <laughs> uh, which would have been great to would have been great to see. But honestly, I think they should just they should just fight. You know, there's so much uh, pent up aggression towards each other. If the tribe would just let them, like, set up some type of a ring of doom and just let them just fight it out, I honestly think they would they would have came out of it as, like, best friends. Well, Tyson's still charging her batteries, so. <laughs> ah, would have been fun if they got recharged by eh, mid-season four, late, early season five. <laughs> now that would have been fun in an arena. Hi, Ebony. Lex, how did you get out? Oh, I served my sentence. Look how old I am now. Stay there. As you can see, I've got the virus. That means you and your boys could be feeling a lot older quite soon. Thing is, I know where the cure is. The antidote. You're lying. Am I? Well, I suppose you can take that risk. Where is it? Where do you think? Yeah, um, at the hotel, um, we see our first confirmation um, that Lex has the virus. Um, at that side of his graying hair, his local guard flees in terror, allowing him to escape and confront Ebony once more. 
Knowing she might have been exposed to the virus, she has no choice but to go to Morat's aid in order to get her hands on the antidote. Um, panel, first question, did you ever really believe that Lex had the virus before this point? Or was this the point where you think, okay, yeah, he's got it now? I guess I did. I believed it because the narrative said he must be getting sick. He wasn't feeling well, even though I couldn't see. He kept looking at his hands, but I couldn't see what he was seeing. You know, he kept looking at his face. Um, but I couldn't see evidence that he was getting sick, but the way he was behaving, I was like, okay, fine. The narrative is telling me that Lex doesn't feel well, so he must be sick. Um, but I guess it didn't hit home until I saw it until this episode where you actually, oh, okay. Yeah. He's sick. Um, ain't hiding anymore. It's, it's right there. And so it does feel kind of like a gut punch because I accepted he was sick, but yeah, maybe I just, it hadn't sunk in until this episode and I actually see it. Like, oh, oh wow, he really is going the way of Glenn. I think I already believed he was sick because a few episodes ago we saw him talking to a guy who was, well, obviously sick and completely gray and Lex didn't back away or anything. So at the very least, Lex believed him to have the virus, otherwise he would have stayed away from that person. But yeah, I, it did really feel more real the moment we saw Lex's gray hair. Because you can, you can, you know, have some sort of denial, you know, because mm -hmm. there's no physical evidence that he was ill. Yeah, he was coughing. He seemed a little feverish. He looked under the weather. But compared to what the virus victims all look like, you could keep telling yourself, you know, Lex could keep telling himself, maybe I'm not seriously ill. Maybe I just have a bad cold or something. And when you see him like this, there's no, you can't go into denial anymore. He's sick. He's got it. He's going. Like, any hope that he didn't have the virus is gone. Like, oh, yeah, he's mm -hmm. going to die. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I thought he had it, too. It's, I mean, the moment he left the mall to kind of go on his journey, I, I kind of thought he, already, he, he definitely had it and he was going to. I'm not sure if I, if I thought he was going to die within the future, but. I definitely believe he, he he had the virus. Actually, the moment he left the mall, I was kind of afraid that, for whatever reason, he was leaving the show. And this was how they were going to ride him out. Mm. While, like, did Tyson have the virus? You, you don't know. And um, so you're just kind of left wondering if she had it. And then Lex, you know, he's convinced he has it, but there's no evidence of it. And there are people who are in doubt. He didn't want to take the antidote because he didn't know... I say antidote, quote unquote antidote, um, because even if he was sick, he, he you know he he doesn't know for sure if he's a hundred percent ill, and and that could kill him or that could poison him. So I think that's it was a nice way to button it up. Like, yeah, absolutely, mm -hmm. there is no doubt he has this. So now what is he gonna do? <laughs> and then it brings into question: Did Tyson ever have it? You know what I mean? And I do like how he uses it to get Ebony to help. You know, mm -hmm. um, it was a smart move. It really was, especially since none of them knew he was sick until that morning. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, we've been touching you and you mm -hmm. jerk. <laughs> 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 now, Ebony has to take a chance to go to the mall because there's something there she really needs. Like She, she thought she could just be holed up in her hotel, <laughs> kick out anyone who seemed kind of sick. <laughs> and that was it. She'd be safe. And now she's like, damn it, I gotta go there. <laughs> Yeah, in went Lex with a bomb nobody knew about. <laughs> She's like, all right, check and mate, you got me. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, we have to talk about the Locos because 
there was barely any locos at the hotel, even taking into account, obviously, the losses in the tribal gathering and um, Luke and a few others going out, doing whatever they're doing. There was like no one really around to protect Ebony. Did that surprise anyone at all? It's a visual that um, Mm. she may be losing control. I mean, she already had trouble after the tribal gathering. She said, I almost lost half my tribe. So that Mm -hmm. says something. And then if you've got a bunch of, where do you think Glenn got sick? He couldn't have been the only loco who got sick. We know that most of the locos are out in the street stoning people and wreaking (laughs) havoc. So it might, she may be in a position where she, a very precarious situation where she doesn't have as much control over them right now. They're just off doing whatever the frig they want. What is she going to do? How does she keep them focused on anything right now? So maybe it's just a visual of that she's losing her grip because that is part of her storyline going forth, that she does not have as much control over these guys and that her reign is not going to last, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe this is just a hint about that. That's true. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, It also kind of made me upset (laughs) a little bit when the Locos got to the the mall. And they're trying to like have their have their way with the rest of the mall rats and trying to take that virus because I'm like, okay, I can understand which tribe circus there's there is quite a few of them, but I felt with the locos there was only so few that the Marats kinda outnumbered them, which did make sense to me. But Yeah, but they don't know how many locos are still out there. It doesn't matter what's out there, it's what's in here <laughs> in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, I mean, you, you make a really good point, Carlin, because if the if the traps had, okay, when mall rats were fighting Tribe Circus, they had just enough people that if their traps had worked, they would have beat Tribe Circus. It was mm-hmm. just an, you know, unfortunate that things didn't work out and they, Tribe Circus beat them. Um, so you have to wonder, yeah, why didn't all of them fight? They could have taken on this small contingent of locos. But now their morale is beaten down. They've already lost a fight. Mm-hmm. And they've lost, you know, Tribe Circus. They just barely got out of trouble at Tribe Circus. They are already terrified of the Locos. Like, it's psychological. Mm-hmm. You know? So it doesn't really occur to any of them that, I could take that jerk in a fight. They're just a bunch of dumb idiots. The Locos terrorize the streets for months and months. And so there's that psychological fear of them. And this just, their morale is rock bottom right now. And as you see, like when Amber and Bray are willing to fight them, only two other locos, I mean, only two other mall rats are willing to fight with them. Everyone else is just like, dude, man, I just, I can't take another L today. (laughs) No, morale is low. And let's not forget, if it wasn't for the locos, they would have died in, you know, their tiny little jail. You know, I'm only I'm only gonna buy into that mindset they have because they're from the city, and I believe that every kid from the city has that mindset that they can't be anywhere, they can't do anything, which is the reason why invasions happen and people are so easily captured in this series. But it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jack and I'm looking at Jack and Dale right now, just standing there looking at Bray being captured. Yep, I was like, you guys something. could help. You could totally help. <laughs> I mean, you and Trudy could do something. Trudy's holding a baby. Leave her alone. Don't you start on mm-hmm. her too? Don't you Leave dare. Leave the baby alone. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her alone. 
That's the one person you may not criticize in this <laughs> At least not in this situation. <laughs> Come on. And then with Bob again. Oh my goodness. Land <laughs> my Bob. I knew it. I knew Bob wasn't safe. <laughs> Bob wasn't even scared. He, I, <laughs> he smelled the smoke and he was just like, oh well. <laughs> if it wasn't for those darn kids. Oh, that smoke on the set. Man, wasn't that good set dressing? Mm-hmm. Like, it really looks like that place is on fire and hard to breathe. I was like, man, that you know, I'm thinking about, like, all the logistics of setting up that kind of, you know, set and that danger and where everyone had to be, how they had to film the kids, how far they would have to be away from the fire. But you want to give the illusion that the fire is spreading. Like, I was really impressed with that, you know, and the locos rush in with Lex and the music swells and he's putting out the fire. Like, this was really well shot. <laughs> Considering how much they, I couldn't actually have the kids near those flames, and it was really cool. <laughs> but what on earth did Lex use to put that fire out? Because they already emptied the fire extinguish extinguisher. Well, they had two fire extinguishers from upstairs, and remember, he came in from downstairs. Yeah, fair enough. So it could have been from you know just another part of the mall, yeah. you know. And he, you know, as they came in, it's like there's smoke. Obviously, we need a fire extinguisher. I mean, that's what I'm assuming, considering this is a public mm -hmm. mall. They would probably have yeah, fire extinguishers in different places. Though I will admit, his had way more um, fluid in it than Patsy and Chloe's. Mm -hmm. What was that about? <laughs> it was bigger. Yeah, but it was a bigger model as well. That is true. That's true. I wonder if that was actually Caleb. It's hard to see through the smoke and the quality. Of my, my DVD is really bad. I'm like, was that Caleb or was that like a stuntman? You know what I mean? Oh, that was Caleb. <laughs> Because he was still underage at the time, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a fire stunt. You're really going to have an underage actor putting on this blaze? <laughs> that's pretty dangerous. Then again, I don't know what the childlike working laws in New Zealand were like at the time. So maybe they're like, go for it, Caleb. <laughs> they don't have the budget for stunt people at this point. <laughs> it's not in the budget. Just don't burn yourself. We don't have the insurance. It's kind of like when, when Zoot was thrown off the balcony. <laughs> they told the actor, the actor, like, hey, this is real, okay? So just throw yourself off and uh, <laughs> we'll <Aww>. catch you. <laughs> oh, you're saying this now and it ties in so well with the rest of this episode. <laughs> um, yeah, we have to talk about um, the Morats' initial reaction to being freed. Because um, they were really less than thrilled that Lex had made a deal with Ebony regarding the antidote, even going so far as to brand it the action of a man with nothing to lose. Yeah, Pano, did you think that was quite unfair of the group to label Alex? Um, yeah, were they quite ungrateful, as Ebony says? Yes. It's unfair from the outside looking in, because we at least, we have reason to believe that Lex really means his redemption arc, and that he really was only thinking of saving them. But remember who he's dealing with. Remember these people, okay? Remember the things he's done to these people, just before he got sick and left, he tried to betray them. He tried to get some, one of them thrown out. He was willing to go that far. He'd been stealing from them all this time and just waiting for the moment that he could screw one of them over. Remember that. Remember all the things they've seen Lex do. Now, just because we understand that he's sorry and he's going through a really great, you know, uh, dynamic change in who he is as a person does not mean the other characters know or understand that. Just because they were gracious about him leaving 
you know, and they don't want anything bad to happen, doesn't mean they're going to just forget everything he's done to them and how many times he's betrayed them or lied to them or screwed them over. So when Lex comes back, you know, with Ebony and they are wondering why, and then he fi they find out that he told her about the antidote, I definitely think it's fair for them to feel like, what the heck, man? Again, on the outside, I'm like, you guys, how else do you think he was going to get her here to help you? But I do understand why they would feel betrayed because it's just one more thing in a line of things that Lex has done for selfish reasons because they aren't, you know, partial to the change that we can see because we're on the outside. Lex isn't doing these things to us. We get to study him as a character, but they're just people dealing with another person. And if I were in their shoes and someone did those things to me, I would not just immediately give them the benefit of the doubt. I'd be like, oh, great, you know. Thanks a lot, Lex. The one thing we had and you gave it up. And I don't know if you did it for us or you did it for your own sake. I just don't know. They don't know that he went to Ebony on his own volition. For all they know, he was captured by Ebony and gave up the antidote to gain his freedom. You know, they don't know. So, yeah, I, I think it's fair considering what they know about Lex. Yeah, but on the other hand, I mean, Bray had already emphasized how horrible Tribe Circus is. Bray knows that. He's fully capable of knowing that Lex knows the same thing. But that doesn't mean Bray has any reason to think that Lex would care. He does not have a reason to believe that Lex would care about what Tribe Circus might do to them. He doesn't. Just because Bray made peace with how Lex has treated him because Lex is sick does not mean he trusts him or has reason to believe that Lex would put their safety above him. He just doesn't. It doesn't change overnight. It's not going to go away. I felt bad that they judged Lex. <laughs> I'm just saying, from their perspective, I get it. I mean, I'm looking at him going, you guys, I mean, I get it. I know you're upset, but you, he saved your life. How did you think he got that to happen? What do you think? He promised her cookies? <laughs> I didn't think he got Ebony here to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's not his physique that strong her and convinced her. He obviously, and they were right. He had to have promised her something. Why would the logos come? I... But I understand them being angry, even though I'm like, come on, you guys, what else did you think he was going to be able to do? And what else would you have done with having the antidote if you were dying of suffocation? True. Like what? But it's a very human reaction, you know? So I'm like, I'm just saying, like, I get it. I get why they feel the way they do. And as an outsider, I feel bad for Lex because I know he was sincere and genuine and just really wanted to save his friends. And there was no other way for him to do it, you know? Yeah, it's one of the rare episodes of feeling bad for Lex. But the Mallrats can't be faulted for not forgetting all the times he has betrayed them. You know what I mean? They, they, that didn't go away. He's only been gone for a couple of days. So it's like, <laughs> it didn't just go away. Uh, did, did any of you feel annoyed by how Bray instantly snapped at KC? I'm the one who told you that the way he trades KC is wrong anyway, so. <laughs> it's just, ah. Uh. It's just in character. Why are you getting into arguments with a 10-year-old, Bryce? Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and after we've just seen this 10-year-old save Zandra. Well, Bray didn't see it. You know, yeah, Bray, Bray. like Casey has to point it out to him. Like, you know, because Bray yeah. even asked, where were you when we were fighting? And he's like, I saved Zandra from Top Hat. How do you think that fight ended? Mm -hmm. You know? And it makes you realize, oh, yeah, they were in the cage. They don't know how that <laughs> fight ended. You know, they don't know why Top Hat stopped attacking her and dragged them all out, you know? But of course, Casey, you know, Bray's still going to be annoyed at Casey mm -hmm. because he hasn't forgotten that Casey, you know, 
Casey admitted, it was me. I'm the one who tried to get Bray kicked out. You know, I don't know why there's this animosity. I don't know why it was over there, but it's just in character. Mm. It's stupid. I don't know why we keep doing this. <laughs> I don't know the point of it. Um, it makes more sense here, Bray snapping at Casey, mm-hmm. than it ever did before. <laughs> mm, that's true. At least now he has a reason to not like this kid before he didn't. <laughs> well, it's like, whatever. Just a useless argument. <laughs> I thought the Marats were just being selfish. I honestly thought, well, second time looking at it, I'm like, oh, Lex is such a genius. Makes a plan with Ebony, you know, kind of like, you know, gets her sick. So she mm-hmm. has to go to the mall. And then her and the locals do get to the mall. They save the Marats. And then I thought Bray was going to be like, oh, nice job, Lex. Now we outnumber Ebony. And then they would have just beat up the locals, took their car, and maybe spray painted <laughs> saying Marats instead of locals. Yeah, but come on. These, these are the Marats. They couldn't even take down Ebony on her own. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't even keep her locked up long enough. Right. Yeah, that's very true. But I just thought it was extremely selfish. Kylan, your fan fictions are out of a fever dream. I love them. Mm-hmm. These fan fictions can be reality if they just use their mind. <laughs> but they're extremely selfish. If I was Lex, I would have, I would have definitely, you know, uh, chirped back at them, and probably would have put out the fire and then just left them there. Because of how selfish <laughs> and ungrateful they were. If I were Lex, I would feel terrible. Lex, again, I've, I've said that I think Lex really wants to be a hero, but he doesn't know how to be. And here is a true hero moment for Lex. He charges into this. The only incentive is, I want to save my friends. That is it. He's not trying to save himself because at this point, Lex knows he's dying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He could just go lay down somewhere and just give up. But he's like, with my last breath, I want to save my friends. If there's anything I can do. And he really is a hero in this moment. Mm-hmm. This is heroism. Just relax. And I'm very proud of him. And, you know, he, he's really trying to do something right. Whether or not it's because he's trying to make his karma well, I don't care. That's not the point. And I do feel bad because if I were Lex and I did this thing, I was trying my best to save my friends. And they still saw it as an act of betrayal because of what I had to give up to save them and he's desperate for them to believe him when he's like no you guys really i only told her because it was the only way i could get her here to help you you know what i mean mm-hmm. i didn't do it to be a dick. I, pr- I know i know you have reason not to trust me i know i've screwed you over before i know i've lied to you before but please believe me this time i really wasn't trying to be a dick <laughs> i was trying to help you know and so i do feel sorry for him but it's still very realistic because if you spend your life doing horrible things to people, you don't make it right with one good action. It doesn't go away. You know, people don't owe you forgiveness and be like, okay, you did this really great thing. Fine. All of your past deeds don't matter anymore. I'm totally over them and all the ways you used to hurt me. It doesn't work that way. You can be sorry and you can be genuinely sorry and start trying to make things right. But that doesn't mean other people have to forgive you right away or forget the things you've done to them. So yes, I feel sorry for Lex, but I don't blame the Mallrats for reacting the way they do to him. Yeah, I just felt like logic completely left the window. I understand how they felt about Lex beforehand, but this is a dying man. Has you know his life? He, he pretty much at this moment, his life is pretty much over, and 
I don't know how they couldn't see that, you know, he came back, not, not only for them, but for Zandra, you know, his wife. Humans are not rational. No, the Maras are not rational. <laughs> no, people are not rational. Have you been paying attention? <laughs> oh, it's the Maras. <laughs> um, humans just aren't, we're not rational creatures in general. You know what I mean? And feelings color everything we do. I mean, just look at a reality show. Look at the way these people act with each other. You know, I, you're like, why is this how you're behaving? Feelings, emotions, they color everything. They blind us. You know, and that's the human condition right there. It's not just the mall rats, it's everyone. Even us, we may look at ourselves and think, I'm a very rational person. But you press the right triggers and our rationality goes out the freaking window. No one is above it. Nobody. No matter how hard you try. That's the thing you're seeing with Tysan. She struggles to be a very rational person. She has it all together. And even she has triggers where her emotions just take over and she cannot keep... That nice stoic, I've got it all together, I react logically. No, even she can't do it because she's a human being. None of us can do it. We all have triggers. Our emotions eventually get the better of us, no matter how much we try. And Trudy, how's the baby? Why don't you just leave us alone, Ebony? I'd quite like a baby. Oh, I don't mean the normal way. Much too messy. Risky too these days. I'd just like to have one. You know, find one. Or maybe just take one. Oh, let's, yeah, let's talk about that juicy scene between Ebony and Trudy. Because it was inevitable that the two would meet. And as they do, Ebony makes sure to twist the dagger into Trudy's back by mentioning that she'd love to have a baby. Or more accurately, take one. Yeah, panel, um, was this, do you think, a gentle reminder of the importance of Brady in Zoot's legacy? Or do you think it was even a card that Ebony hoped to play one day? Um, especially considering, obviously, her power within the locals at the moment. I think it might have been, but I think she also just really wanted to annoy Trudy because she could. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trudy's an easy target for that, especially with the history those two have. Mm. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, Sina... Ebony knows fully well that this is Suit's child, and you know, who knows? Chosen might have already been forming. She might, she might have considered it as an option. It just seemed like a calculated taunt. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Ebony never says something without a good reason. At least not things like this. So yeah, I, I do think she was maybe forming a plot in the back of her mind, but not wanting to just quite yet. <laughs> Given what I know about Ebony. And how clever she can be and how stupid she can be. I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt that it might have crossed her mind what, how Brady could mm -hmm. be useful in Zoot's legacy. Even though we've noticed, we've seen Ebony, she does not, when it comes to Zoot's legacy, she doesn't want anyone else at the top of that pyramid, mm -hmm. even Zoot. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it definitely, she wouldn't want the baby at the top of that pyramid either. But I can't say it wouldn't have crossed her mind. You know, I think that's definitely fair that it might have crossed her mind that this kid, Zoot's kid, you know, could be important or could be useful. But I often wonder if it has just a little bit more to do with jealousy and the fact that she's just never liked Trudy. And that she's simply taunting Trudy, reminding her, hey, you had my boyfriend's baby. And just so you know, he's not around to protect you anymore. And if I wanted to, I could rip your life apart. Mm-hmm. 
And that feels very ebony to me yeah. to just remind of the power that you have. Like she doesn't like Trudy. She never has. In season two, we get more backstory that she just, she didn't like Trudy on sight for no reason. And she says, you were the little girl who got everything. You know, Trudy represents something mm -hmm. that really messes with Ebony's sense of self. And she doesn't like her, you know, and she wants to just wreck her life sometimes and take take things from her, like toys. Like, you got all the good toys. I'm stealing your Barbie, you know. And so for me, I feel like it's a little bit more of a taunt just to mess with Trudy's head to remind her that if I wanted to, I could rip your life apart for no other reason. You know what I mean? I'm not even really interested in your baby, but I could take her and there's nothing you could do about it, mm -hmm. you know, just to scare her, you know? And, um, I, I, but again, I don't, I don't doubt that it's possible. She could have definitely considered uh, Brady's relation to Zoot and how that could be used. I think it has more to do with just messing with Trudy. This was 100% harmless. I even said it on the last podcast. There has to be some type of inside joke between everybody in the city and knowing that when Trudy gets moody, she turns into Trudy the moody, which is highly entertaining uh, to watch. And everyone gets a kick out of it. And as of right now, I think Ebony kind of sensed the room that everyone's kind of feeling low, the morale's down. And, well, what can make us feel better? I know. Let's go see what Trudy the Moody's doing. <laughs> And she just pokes fun at it. And Ebony is the best in the entire series of making wisecracks and jokes. Something else you have to consider. Now, we know, we learn through five seasons how insecure Ebony is about men. Mm -hmm. her, her, dad, her dad failed her big time. Okay, she's this poor woman. She has some major daddy issues. And she definitely, even if she doesn't want a man, she definitely has trouble with knowing that a man would prefer another woman over her. Mm -hmm. even even if she's not what wants him anymore just the fact that he would prefer someone over her now she wasn't in love with zoot you know but it was very important to her that he chose her that she was his woman that she was important to him because of how everyone feels about him and i guarantee there is some jealousy that zoot never got over trudy and i doubt he kept that a secret from ebony so yeah i'm sure it's just some of it's spiteful you know he couldn't love me. There was nothing I could do to make him love me. But he freaking loved you, and I don't get it. I don't get what's so special about you, Trudy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moody Ebony. If that's true, then Ebony's a hypocrite, because I know she's been looking at Bray the whole time she's <laughs> been with Zeus. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> See, Major Trudy ended up with Martin back then, so she could have Bray. And then... When Martin seemed to be the better option, the more, more popular, popular choice, she dumped Bray and went straight to his brother. Yeah, but I don't, I think from what we've seen so far, I don't know what Zutin and Ebony's relationship ever deemed as romantic. Obviously, they are together in, a, in that way, but I felt like there was more abuse abuse than anything i'm sure you're right there it was an abusive relationship mm -hmm. but she still had in her head she was special to him these are words she usually she actually uses mm -hmm. i was his woman i was special to him she needs to believe mm -hmm. that trudy is always a reminder that she wasn't all that special to him he didn't care you know she was just a consolation prize because he couldn't have trudy you know and she says later in season two when she's 
you know, mm-hmm. Trudy's like, I need, I demand you tell me what it is you hate about me. You've always hated me. You've always targeted me. I want to know why. And one of the things Ebony says to her is you were the good girl who got everything. You got Bray and Zoot. And it pisses Ebony off mm-hmm. that for whatever reason, whatever it was about Trudy, both Bray and Martin preferred her. They still cared about her more than they cared about Ebony, you know? And again, with someone with her man issues and, you know, needing to be the most important woman in a man's life mm-hmm. and not being seeing every other woman as competition. I mean, yeah, I think she's just, she, ah, she can't, it bugs her, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> bugs her. Trudy's presence bugs her and she just needs to remind her, I have power over you. I could destroy you. <laughs> just makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> It'd be really funny if like everything you just said, it would be great if Ebony said it out loud. And then Dale just approached her and was like, well, maybe you're looking for the wrong type of man. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, maybe you should be looking for men who know about farming and pharmaceuticals. (laughs) Imagine that, though. That would be a pretty uh, interesting couple. No, no, they wouldn't. (laughs) Yes, they would. (laughs) We can't just let her take it. It'll be tough. Losing the antidote is tough, Bray. Okay, okay. Ryan, you in? Me too. I'm no chicken. It's gotta be quick. A real surprise when she gets back, otherwise we're finished. It's too risky, Bray. They'll hurt us all. The antidote isn't worth it, if it is the antidote. We've done enough fighting already. Celine's right. We should quit while we're behind. No way. Let's talk about that all or nothing plan by Amber and Bray. Because with Ebony in possession of the antidote, like, what did you think, panel? Like, did do you think they really thought that they could fare better against the locos than tribe circus? Yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. I think they kind of felt like Ebony would never harm Bray. You know, they thought that was their big advantage here. Whereas with tribe circus, tribe circus had no reason. Not to harm anyone. And, well, they've had issues with Ebony before. And they got away safely. Or as safe as they could. So I think that might have just given them that little bit of confidence. However stupid it was. I think it was partially this... They they saw the same thing we did. They outnumbered the Locos. Like, dude, they, they were, they're coming here to take something really important away from us. Are you kidding me? We went through a minefield to bring this back. We gonna let these guys take it? Are you crazy? Oh, no, there's way too many of us. We could totally fight them. Let's do it. Their problem was just that not everybody was on board, mm-hmm. you know. If they would have saw Trudy get on board, I think everyone would have reacted. If Trudy would have grabbed that butter knife, <laughs> I think everyone would have been up in arms. Because they could have they could have taken them. I think they could have. If everyone had been on board. They needed more than four people on the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack and Dale are just standing there like, oh, like, you know, being boyfriends. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, I kind of imagine what would have happened if Trudy had been, here, hold my baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hold my baby. Hold my baby while I smack this <laughs> But at this moment, the Maras didn't know that there was, like, cash relations between Bray and, and Bray and Ebony, right? Yeah, the, it's not common knowledge that okay. they like they they know that okay Bray, you know, was Martin's brother, and so he must have known Ebony from school or whatever. But they don't 
they don't know that oh, yeah. Ebony won't hurt Bray. I think it has just more to do with um, just no, we're not letting them take this. This is too important, man. You know. But they know Bray managed to talk to Ebony to get away from Ebony in the past when he went to talk to her. That is true. I just don't think that's what they're banking on in the middle in this for this conflict that that will matter. You know, I I, I just think that for them this is just too important to give up. I mean, that's just you know mm-hmm. how I see it. Like for them, I get it. Like they would be. I mean, even though none of them want to actually try, it's kind of funny. This this prototype. None of them want to actually test it. They're all scared to try it. <laughs> Like, none of them tested. None of them know what it actually is. They have no clue. It didn't. It's not like it had a label on it. <laughs> Antidote. Who knows what they are? Who knows what they it is? They have no tubes. clue what the stuff is. It could be. I know exactly how, how I would test it and try to figure out what it is. They don't know. It, it, the only way they can test it is if it's on someone who's sick and it makes them better. And of course, Lex is afraid to try it. And. You know, um, they didn't find it in time to, to give it to Glenn. And nobody else has been visually sick for them to give it to. And but all this fuss over something they don't even know. It's just their last dying hope. I wouldn't let them take it either. Heck no. <laughs> Not after the day I had. <laughs> it's their precious. Ebony, you're going to have to fight for this. No way. <laughs> Maybe they thought she was a soft sell. Because she hasn't come after the Marats and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't have let her take. I'd fight her too. All or nothing. Let's do this. I can only take so many L's in a day. Let's do this. I don't know. I guess it's just because they didn't know, even know if it was an actual antidote that makes the plan a bit like self-sacrificing for no reason. That's not. Yeah, I just find it odd. Like, yeah, let's go down fighting for something we don't know will actually work, and that there could be other things out there. I don't know. Well, looking at it. From an RPG perspective, <laughs> it would just be great to just overwhelm the locos and then take their armor, take their weapons, <laughs> their car. And who knows? I mean, I know they're going to stay at the mall, but who knows? Maybe even take the hotel. I mean, remember, they, they've, they've lost the fight against Tribe Circus. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they've been got like smoke inhalation, mm-hmm. all trained and tired. Like, really? They thought they could take on the locos, like trained street fighters? Absolutely. No. First off, they should be smart enough to say, hey, all right, guys, this time we won't use pillows. <laughs> we use blunt objects. Well, oxygen deprivation does lower intelligence mm-hmm. and cognitive ability. But you know what? I honestly, I think I can't, the writers realized that there are just certain characters who would not let this go without fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, there was just, you couldn't write this believably no. without the character of Amber saying, I'm fighting her. You know what I mean? I think they just realized that realistically, the whole group would not give up immediately. There would be people in the group who'd be like, nah, I'm going to fight. So they, I think that's pretty much why it's there. Even though they fail, it's just because the characters push that plot. Because that's what the characters would do. There was no way Amber was ever going to give up the antidote without some sort of fight. They knew that. So they were like, let's make it good. That's, that's an example of a character pushing your plot. Mm-hmm. Because that's who the character is, and that's what they would do. And... If they, if no one had fought this, we would be complaining that yeah. that doesn't seem realistic, you know? So it's just the characters push that plot point because they were the ones who would never have given up. <laughs> they would have tried one last hurrah. <laughs> so I thought it was some kind of a, you know, devious plan by Amber that she secretly was like, distract them. And then she ran up to go get the antidote and maybe quickly switched it out. <laughs> 
but I also think it has an, there's actually a purpose to the Mallrats trying one more fight and losing. And that purpose is that it makes a defeat even worse. Mm-hmm. We end this episode feeling like the biggest losers who have nothing. How many fights did we lose today? You know, how many people have ransacked our mall and taken everything of worth we've ever had? We don't even know how much things the tribe circus took. We know they took all our food. Maybe they took our charged batteries while they were at it. We got nothing. We're going to have to kill Porky and the chickens. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's even more of a, like a, a plummet Mm -hmm. to lose this fight too. You know, like we thought it was bad. Like Trudy says, I think we should quit while we're behind, you know, and, no, no, we, we, we got to do this. And to fail again, it really adds to that just ad- the hopeless feeling that it's completely over. Not only did we lose twice, but we've also lost two of our members. Mm-hmm. And it's just more of a sucker punch. Like, really? We lost twice? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Throw it the bow. <laughs> it also kind of subverts your expectations, you know, in storytelling. You don't expect them to lose again. <laughs> You kind of think the music's really triumphant. You really think that Amber is going to best Ebony or mm-hmm. something. Nope. Uh, and then for Ebony to just threaten Bray that way. Ooh. Nice battle of wills between the girls. Definitely. But, you know, at this point, Ebony didn't know exactly what happened to Zoot. And to threaten to kill Bray that way with a, he might die, he might not, but it'll be a nasty fall. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it was just me. But when she said, I'll push him over the balcony, immediately I thought about yeah. Zoot. And I thought the rest of the my rats would have been like, uh, no, mm-hmm. way too soon to say that. <laughs> well, it's just like Sabine says, Ebony has no idea the impact of those words. But, you know, Amber does. Mm-hmm. Amber knows for, you know, yes. It totally could kill him. She already knows somebody who died that way, you know? And yeah, that's, that's a, I love watching Ebony's face mm-hmm. while she's trying to suss out Amber's bluff. Like, okay, I have to, like, the stakes are really high. Ebony has to win here, you know? Like, she cannot walk away with her locos empty-handed. She has got to get that antidote. And you can see that desperation on her face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Amber threatens to destroy it, you know, you see Ebony scrambling for the right thing, trying to find the right thing she can say, trying to find Amber's weakness. And she you can see she plucked Bray out of thin air. Like, I wonder, you know, those strings. Ebony's always pulling on those strings, sets them aside for later. That might be useful. She's clocked this relationship. She may not know that they're like an actual relationship, but she has clocked something between them. And she's like, I'm going to pull that string. I'm going to take a chance. And she was right. It was a good string to pull. Um, and then once she, you see her confidence come back when she realizes I've got the upper hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got it. I got her. She, she's not throwing that stuff away. I won. You know, but you see the panic in her eyes for a little while while she's like, how I've got to win this. I have got to get that antidote. It's very good. It's nice high tension. It, good try, Amber. Good try. But never bluff anything you're not willing to actually go through. I mean, sticking with that desperation and Ebony's connection with Bray, like, Panna, what do you think? Do you think she was desperate enough to have actually gone through with it? I don't think she would have, but she would have gone just far enough to make everyone believe she would. I think Ebony's clocked the Mallrats enough 
to know that that wouldn't be necessary. Mm-hmm. Like it was a safe bluff to make because of who she was dealing with. She's like, okay, I, I know these guys enough. They are not going to let me throw one of their members off the balcony. <laughs> and she knows the effect Bray has on women. Because even though it's it's made to be a moment between the lovers, Bray and Amber, come on, she could have, Ebony could have threatened to throw anybody off the balcony and Amber wouldn't have done it. She would not have, mm-hmm. you know, and she would have given her the antidote. No matter who it was. You know, they use Bray because it's a lovers. <laughs> and be- and yeah. because they wouldn't get away with threatening to throw Patsy over or the baby. <laughs> but any, they, she could have threatened to throw anyone. And Amber still would have given her the antidote. You know what I mean? She would have mm-hmm. never. Ebony knows that enough about the mall rats. That, okay, okay. I'm not playing games with this girl anymore. She's never going to sacrifice one of her tribe members. So. Yeah, and then Bray is the funnest bet. He's <laughs> the funnest bet. <laughs> it also lets her figure out, okay, any suspicions she had about this relationship. She figured, okay, they are in a relationship. All right, all right, which is why she ends up taking him. <laughs> yeah, just because it's even more fun. Like, all right, I'll be taking him. Give one more sucker punch to Trudy, scare her a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Remember, Ebony has a reputation to uphold. Her, her, she feels like she's on stage all the time. Mm-hmm. Her locals are always watching her, and Ebony behaves as though she is performing to the crowd all the time. If Amber wouldn't have kissed Bray, maybe she wouldn't have grabbed him. <laughs> well, she had already threatened to take him before they kissed. Yeah. Like, she already figured out, like, okay, uh, okay. they're in love. All right, that's why I'm taking him. I'm not leaving him here with her. I've had enough. This was cute to watch play out, but he's coming home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just to think about um, <laughs> maybe if she would have grabbed like KC and threatened to throw him <laughs> off, I wonder how many of the Marats would have actually reacted. <laughs> or maybe if it was Tizan. Amber wouldn't have done it for any of them. No. She would not have sacrificed a single one of her members. It was d- it was deeper for Bray. She made <laughs> if she had like threatened Lex's life, Amber would have reluctantly given. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't have been happy about it. She was like, damn it, Lex. Oh, you're one of us, fine. <laughs> but she wouldn't have sacrificed anybody. And that's something Ebony knew about her. She had sussed Amber mm-hmm. out. She used that information to her advantage. This is Amber. She was willing to bet away her own freedom to save a mm-hmm. friend. That is what Ebony knows about this girl. So she was like, all right, all I got to do is threaten to kill one of her drive mates. And, and then she, it was confirmed for her. They're clearly in a relationship. I feel like taking my toys back. So. Mm-hmm. This is my Bray. Hands off. And that's just for fun. Because mm-hmm. she says, I'm getting real tired of you, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're finally catching on that she's a threat to you. <laughs> is it a twisted way of her trying to save Bray's life? That's a good question. Mm. I don't think it is, but it's a great question. Now, that's a funny thing to consider. Yeah. Like, they find out the antidote works. It's like, okay, we can run away together with the antidote. We won't. Well, I, I will give you the antidote, Bray. And keep you alive because you've been near Lex. I don't think that's what it was, so to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an interesting question. I love that. <laughs> I have to mention it because it did rub me up the wrong way. Did anyone else find it stupid how Ebony used up a whole vial of the antidote on Lex without? Yes, it actually works because <laughs> that does not make sense. God. <laughs> The way she tests this antidote is so stupid. I'm like, by the time you get an answer, you ain't going to have any antidote left. Mm-hmm. 
So dumb. So dumb. Like, how many vials are there? There's like, what, eight? Like, yeah, why are you just using up a whole one? Like, yeah, but there, uh, aren't, there aren't that many people Ebony cares about. I mean, and, and not the point. Alex makes a good guinea pig. Yeah, but she gives him like a vial a day. For how many days is she going to do this? By the time she gets an answer, how many vials is she even going to have left for herself? Even if the only person she's trying to save is herself. She has no idea how many of those vials she would need to save herself. And she just keeps giving him vials every day. Instead of like, I don't know, giving it some time to see if the one mm -hmm. vial works. You know, and it's like, what if you used up all the vials before he started to heal? Oh, we're not there yet. It's, it's still dumb. It was still a really dumb move. I get it. It's for dramatic purpose to pour mm -hmm. the whole thing down his throat. But when you see how she uses it going forward, it was really stupid. Just give him a little. <laughs> give him a teaspoon. Start with the two teaspoons. Isn't that like the normal dosage of anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, or is it two tablespoons? Whatever. It just start small. Start small. If it's poison, it'll kill him anyway. And if it's secure, give it some time. Don't use it all up. Yeah. Don't give him a whole vial every day. For that moment, the moment he does that first vial, I think it was mainly for dramatic effect. Yeah, it is. Because we still don't know if this stuff works. All we know is that Lex has finally been forced to drink the stuff mm -hmm. that's been called into question this whole time. So it's very dramatic. Because we don't know. Oh my gosh, this could kill him. Mm-hmm. Whatever you steal, Ebony, you can never have what we've got. This place might be in ruins, but at least we're decent. You are just a cheap tramp with a load of bully boys running around after you! So that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. As Ebony leaves them all triumphantly, Trudy berates her on her way out. And she also keeps everyone's spirits up following the double raid of Tribe Circus and the Locos. Panel, yeah, what did you think of Trudy's speech um, to Ebony and being like the only one to help rally everyone's spirits after such a defeat? I loved her speech to Ebony. At least we're decent. I love the way she says <laughs> yeah. that, you know? <laughs> yeah, we might not have anything. But... I mean, at this point, she's secure in the fact that Ebony is not going to take Brady with her. That helps. I actually, my favorite part of it, even though kudos to Trudy, it's an awesome speech. High five, girl. Love it. Um, my favorite part of the speech is it actually affects Ebony. Look at mm -hmm. Ebony's face. Yeah. It affects her, what Trudy says to her. You know what I mean? It really bothers her. You know, um, that Trudy, even though she's been threatening Trudy, threatening to take her kid and trying, you know, basically flexing her muscles around Trudy. Trudy is not cowed by her and she's letting her know that you know what I mean I'm not afraid of you there's nothing special about you Ebony you know and she doesn't like that oh she didn't like that at all all she can do is flaunt away <laughs> <That's her laughs> <only reaction. laughs> oh she didn't like hearing that that always like that struck me it was Ebony's reaction <laughs> to being called that because it's like Trudy reduces her to what she really is mm -hmm. You aren't special, honey. You're not some queen. You're just <laughs> some bully boys. Yeah. It's all you are, girl. It's nothing special about you. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Like <laughs> Trudy read her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the library is open. <laughs> and her trying to rally everybody else. It, it just makes sense because Trudy's, you know, her journey and how she realizes how important the tribe are. 
you know, just in general and to she and her daughter's survival. Um, she needs this family and she needs this family to keep functioning. She can't have this family giving up, you know, and um, because where would that leave she and her daughter? She believes in them. And it's like, come on, you guys, I've bought into this. You won me over. Don't give up. We can't. Trudy's not in a position she can give up. She has someone else to live for. And I think especially in that final moment, I think she also feels like she has to do this. Bray is gone. She has to step up. Bray's gone, Amber is a mess, and that leaves her to take care of things, because everyone else is a mess. And Trudy ends up, you know, she tends to take on that designated cheerleader role. Yeah. You know, um, because again, you know, you take on the position that most helps your family. Not all of us can be hunter-gatherers, not all of us can be the science bros. Some of us, the only thing we can contribute to our family is kindness, encouragement, you know, care. And, you know, if that's your role, you take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And Trudy does. It's just as important as any other role. You know, it may not get the same value from people, but it's just as important. And, yeah, someone needed to say it. Like, we can't just give up. But, man. I agree. I just really like this episode for Trudy. What an L for these guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a rough day <laughs> for the Mars. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Why don't you take a nap? Sleep on it. You might feel better. <laughs> oh, that was a rough day. It was a rough day. There's a lot going on. And I'm with you, Sabine. Where the frick did this harmonica come from? Mm. Oh. Why? Why? I wanted to chuck that across a room. <laughs> I was there were a couple what WTF moments in this episode that I just I don't understand. Okay, for example, why do we have the plot point of Patsy and Chloe trying to get the dogs and the dog, the chickens and the pig out of the, the cage when all this other heavy stuff is happening? Mm. It, we don't need to see this. This isn't important to anything happening right now. None of us are worried about Bob and Porky and the chickens. <laughs> we don't need to see this. It serves zero purpose. <laughs> Bob is fine. We don't need to see the girls trying to rescue the dog. I they're like, there's somebody out there who's going to want to know where these animals are. We have to establish their presence. And then the harmonica. I'm like, just a couple things. I don't know why these are here. I don't Sasha must, must have left it. I think they just needed to give Sandra a reason to yell at Tyson. <laughs> 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 it's a rough day for Tyson. <laughs> that brings episode 47 to a close. Thank you very much to the panel. And we'll see you next time for episode 48. So until then, bye. Bye. Later. Bye.